Hello from sunny Florida. This is the Master Passive Income Show. My name's Dustin Heiner, and I help people to quit their jobs by investing in real estate rental property so they can make passive income every single month and never work a job again. And as I just said, I am in Florida right now. I'm in Orlando, Florida with my family. Took my family here with me. I'm at Podcast Movement. It's a conference where we talk all about podcasting, how to do podcasting better and all that great stuff. But that's what I'm doing here. And I'm on the road with my family. We're going to be driving up to Washington, D.C., a four-week trip and having so much fun. And in today's show, we're going to be talking about investing in other states. And I have a guest on who invests in Las Vegas with his family as well. And he's also bought and flipped property and use that to make money and buy more properties. It's so awesome to hear his story. So let's jump into today's show where we learn all about how to use your equity in your home and buy more rental properties. All right, guys, let's start the show. Welcome to the Master Passive Income Podcast, where we talk about all aspects of real estate rental properties with a special focus on making enough money so you can quit your job and live the dream life. And now, here is your host, Dustin Heiner. That's right, guys. Now, I am in Florida. Now, in the intro, I did say it's sunny Florida, but in fact, it's actually not that sunny. It's August right now when I'm here, and it is pouring rain. I mean, in the middle of the day, all of a sudden, you know, sunny, then boom, lots of clouds, lots of rain, and it is super humid here. Now, I am from Phoenix. I've been living in Phoenix for two and a half years, and I guess I got used to living in such a good dry heat. Now, that dry heat is actually awesome, even though it's 110 degrees in Phoenix, but it's dry heat. Florida, it's like 80 degrees here, and it feels like 100. I mean, it's just like you're swimming through a pool, but you're out in the air. So anyways, we're having a great time going through podcast movement and learning about how to do podcasting better and how I can better serve you guys. And I have a question for you guys. All my listeners out there, I wanted to know, so my podcast, I usually do the majority of it just me talking about rental properties and trying to instruct you on how to do it right. But then occasionally I do have interviews where I interview people that I meet that are super cool people that basically have started a rental property business on their own, either by accident or they did it on purpose, but they have a few properties. And I want to bring them on in order so that you can see that, hey, normal people can do this too. You know, they didn't have any special circumstances. They didn't have any like, you know, millionaire parents that gave them money. They started just like us. And so I want to know if that's something that you like to hear. If you want more of me just talking about rental properties, would you like to hear more interviews? Would you like to hear just more me of my content where I'm actually teaching how to do rental properties? What would you like to hear? Maybe there's something completely else. So I want you to go to the show notes page. On the show notes page, I have a little questionnaire there for you. And I want to hear what you'd like to see in the show. I want to make the show as as best as I can for you so you can get out there and quit your job. And the show notes for this show is masterpassiveincome.com forward slash 74. This is our 74th podcast episode. So go there, masterpassiveincome.com forward slash 74. And it's in the description. I'll put that link in there as well. And there's a little questionnaire or a little way for you to tell me what you would like to see in the podcast. Like, how can I serve you guys better? All right. Now, also on top of that, go to my free workshop, go to freeinvestorworkshop.com so you can see what it takes to get started investing in rental properties. I want to show you step-by-step to freeinvestorworkshop.com where I'm going to show you just like I've shown many, many others how to get started investing in real estate rental properties. Now today, I am bringing on a guest 
He is the founder of financialresidency.com. He also has the Financial Residency podcast as well. And he's a financial planner that helps doctors to manage their money better, to do better things with their money, and take care of their money. He also bought one particular property in order to flip it so that he could make money. Now, what he did was he bought it, he flipped it and made money and then bought more rental properties. It's fantastic. It's a great story. So let me bring on my guest, Ryan Inman from financialresidency.com. All right, Ryan, thank you so much for being here with us on the show. I'm super excited to have you share everything about your investing experience and past. So thank you very much for being here. Hey, man, thanks for having me on. This is going to be super fun. All right. So Ryan, now you were telling me a little bit about how you got started investing in real estate and how you used it to pay off debt, which is awesome as well. So tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into the real estate. Are you married? You know, Where do you live? You have kids? What do you like to do for fun? Let's just get to know a little bit about you first. Yeah. So I have a four and a three-year-old. I'm married to a pediatric pulmonologist, which is uh, children's lungs. Uh, she is a physician with the Navy. And uh, I am a fee-only financial planner for physicians. And we work with physicians all across the country and helping uh, kind of educate them and and work through uh, and taking control over their finances. So um, that's what I do for my, my day job. And by night, I am a, a podcaster at Financial Residency, which i uh, was lucky enough to have you on as a guest. And um, yeah, so I just, I love what I do. It's super fun. And uh, my whole family, I'm the oddball, my brother and I, I guess are, my whole family's in real estate. So my dad and mom are developers developing six plus million square feet uh, in Vegas. You know, uh, my stepmom's an agent, uh, aunt does commercial leasing, cousin does commercial sales. So you, you name it, like my family's doing it. And they're like, the stock market and mess- messing with people's finances? Like, why would you do that? I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. And yeah. we know that finances go, really, they, honestly, they go hand in hand with real estate. Because if you don't have your finances in line, you're not going to be able to do very well because it's hard to buy, it's hard to borrow money, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, no one's going to lend to you if you don't know what's going on in your finances. So you you have to do some financial planning, get your net worth statements and you know, prepare your finances to actually be presented to a bank. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So tell us a little bit about your first property, how you got started. You know, what, what was the deal like? Where did you buy it? How much did you buy it for? What's the return on investment and all that good stuff? Yeah, sure. So I'll give some high, high numbers on it. Um, I'll give you a one minute background though. Because my family's all in real estate, I've grown up with it since I was literally a baby. So all of this stuff is very familiar to me. I do all the pro formas for my dad's, uh, you know, basically all his commercial projects and things that he's developing and building. So I'm really familiar with numbers and and what goes into deals, even much bigger deals than single family residences. Um, but when we bought, I was going against the grain of everyone because my wife, through her training, she goes four years of med school, three years of residency, three years of fellowship. Just how it goes. And they actually don't earn that much while they're in training uh, compared to what their salaries are at the end. So when we were finishing residency, we were living in Southern California in Orange County, and we were going to be doing a three-year fellowship down in San Diego uh, for her to do it at UCSD. And I knew that at the time, the market had been depressed. This is 2012. So the market is just starting to, uh, it just bottomed. It's just starting to make its way up. And because I know finance, everything moves in cycles. Right. And I can see there is some uptrend in this, right? The stock market has already rebounded through it. The real estate market in some areas of the country, I mean, even five years later, still hadn't returned. 
but you could see in Southern California, action was happening. Now, I wouldn't recommend this to everyone, right? My risk tolerance is through the roof high. I'm fine with risk. But as we were transitioning, we decided to buy a house in Southern California, in San Diego and Carlsbad. And at the time, it was a lot of money to us, a lot of money. And in Southern California, it's actually not that much money. Everywhere else in the country, that's normal. This is a really, really nice, expensive house. But in Southern California, it's like a shack compared to some of these other things. So um, we bought the house for $480,000. I risk on because I'm married to a doctor. She gets what's called a physician mortgage, which means that if you put less than 20% down, you do not have to pay PMI, the private mortgage insurance. That's the perk. Doctors are used to having debt. Banks understand that. They say, yeah, they're good for it. And they waive that. Essentially, the lender carries the, the, the PMI. Not, not, it's lender paid, not, not um, borrower paid. So we only put 5% down. And 5% I did percent down with no PMI. That's, no PMI. That's awesome. You can do 0%, literally, I mean, nothing, <laughs> technically. But yeah. I wanted to have some skin in the game and I wanted to do this. And um, we never envisioned selling it and it going the way it did. But I knew we were getting a screaming good deal. Brand new construction, 2,000 square feet, three bedroom, two bath. Excuse me, four bedroom, three bath. Not, not, yeah, four bedroom, three bath. And it was like two and a half miles from the beach. Wow. Okay. Brand new. Yes. yes. Now in a town that's you know somewhat newish, but like a lot of stuff was older and not, but it, the market was doing this. The builder needed to move inventory. We got in in its first phase. So when, now there's always a builder premium, but when the builders are in their first phase out of, let's say six or eight or 10 phases, the builder is actually going to force appreciation for you. So one of the cool things, because they raise the prices as it gets to be more sold out. So the builder's already forcing the appreciation, already going to give you good comps. So when we bought it, uh, I th- I'm, I'm trying to remember the exact number. I think it was 470 though. And by the time the, the development finished, it was at 510. So I already had like 10% inside of it. I'm like, sweet. But I fought everyone, my mom, my dad, my wife, because we've double paid some rent for a couple months before we moved between rent and mortgage. And I was just like, this is a good deal. I've, I know the area. I've researched a ton. I know that I can't find this anywhere else. And it's brand new. It's a slam dunk, guys, slam dunk. And they all kind of fought me because it was more risky than anyone would really want to take other than the crazy old me. Uh, so fast forward 14 months later, uh, we're pregnant with our son. We live 35 minutes, 40 minutes away from work. So we're traveling a ton. But again, this was a screaming good deal. And we put the house on the market and 14 months later and sold it for $650,000. <laughs> wow that's that is absolutely no it took 14 months to build is that why it took so long no we were living in it for oh, 14 yeah. months right we owned it almost two years uh about, about a year a little over a year and a half um between the transition all that but we when we listed it and and sold it maybe 15 months um yeah we sold it for 650k because the bump happened like all of a sudden real estate market got hot. Now we didn't plan on selling that, but because my wife's a physician, she had to take out a bunch of student debt. Um, our average client's about $300,000 in student debt, which is quite a bit of money. Oh yeah. Um, but because I was around and my wife did in-state tuition and all this stuff when she went to Kansas, um, which is where she's from, she lived at home, she did all the right things. Um, she ended up with about 175K. 
So she did a really good job. So now if you look at it, it's like, well, we pretty much could just pay off all the student debt by selling this house and we're commuting a ton. And why don't we lock in some of these gains and take some risk off the table? Like it worked. We got lucky in terms of the bump. I did not anticipate. It wasn't like I forecasted this and I'm amazing at that. And I knew the real estate market. I just knew it was a good deal. I didn't know it was that good of a deal that we bought and the market just took off. No one could forecast that. Um, but I knew it was a good deal and I knew it could rent. If we got stuck, I knew I could rent it for more than my mortgage because my mortgage, even with 5% down, my rate was 3.5% fixed 30 oh, years. Yeah. Well, that, that's maybe what, 2500 bucks a month? It was like just over. Yeah. So it was- And it for was, Carlsbad, that's, that's, that's it was a, a normal- yeah. good deal. I could that's rent it out right now. I mean, I, I actually looked before we jumped on the show, like it's renting out for 4,000 a month. So if oh. I had kept it, I would have been cash flowing really nicely and all that. Yeah. But at the same time, if you, that's what I love about real estate is you have options and this was one option you could take. You could either rent it out and continually make that income, which would be really good. Or you can pocket what, how, how much is that? $200,000? Close to it. Yeah. It was just yeah. about that. And, yeah, and I mean, what we decided to do after that though, was not pay off her debt, even though I could have. Oh, I love it. I love it. Keep going. <laughs> I parlayed it because my whole family's from Vegas. So I know that market very well. And I know people in that market that know it very well. My dad and mom have been, well, mainly my dad has been developing there since, oh, he's going to kill me if he hears this. He's been doing this like 45 years. So he's been in the industry a long, long time. And my stepmom has been selling homes there. She was one of the largest uh, agents for Remax in terms of volume in town. Um, And when we sold in Carlsbad, Vegas hadn't had that bump. And Vegas got crushed in the downturn. Oh yeah, sure did. Yeah, those houses were uh, like a three-bedroom, two-bath, like sixteen hundred square feet. You know, a good starter home in a good area with a decent school. Those houses were three hundred fifty thousand. A year later, when the downturn happened, they were trading for like one hundred twenty thousand. Ooh. So Vegas got crushed. I mean, just obliterated. And. When we sold, I said, well, I could do that and like take some risk off the table, pay off her debt that saves us some fixed expenses, right? I'm not paying a student debt anymore. Or I could take that and go buy three houses in Vegas. Yeah, I, that's what I'm talking about. That's awesome. <laughs> so that's what we did. Um, it took a little bit of time, uh, but uh, there was a lot of great deals at the time. So I was very picky with what we wanted, the areas we wanted. I got them in three different areas of town because I didn't know which area of town would pop and which wouldn't. And I figured the, the rising tide raised all boats. So eventually the whole town moves, which it did. It just took longer than I thought. Um, but I bought them in three different areas of town. And um, I was fortunate enough that I could help family out because I viewed us as being very blessed that this actually worked. Um, so my cousin lives in one of them. I've never raised his rent uh, on him. So rent should be about 1500 I charge him 1120 Haven't charged, haven't upped it since because I'm helping him out. And it's, it's doing a, a really, it's, it's really helping him get on his feet. Uh, but the other two, uh, we basically own them. They've cash flowed a couple hundred bucks a door at the time. By the time we, we actually ended up selling them, uh, because I thought the town had kind of popped too much, um, at the time now, granted, you know, hindsight's 2020, if I'd have held it, maybe I got an extra 10 or 15 K out of it at this point, or just some cash flow. Um, but at that time I said, okay, uh, I'm going to turn around. I'm going to sell these. And I was able to basically take out about $95,000 out of each property, which in turn paid off all her debt. 
and I still get to keep a house. I was just going to say, you still have that one house that is basically, it's making you money. Obviously, you're doing a great job helping out your family. I always say, you know, if you're going to rent out the family, if you're going to help out family, expect not to get any money. Because if you do that going into it, when they don't pay you, you already know what you're going to get. But yeah, sounds like a- no, he pays me. He's a, he's a very honest stand-up guy. He pays me. Um, he knows that I'm hooking him up. He knows that if he goes anywhere else, his rent is going to go up at least 400 bucks, if not more. Um, and, and he's, he's just an amazing person. So I'm happy to, to help him and I don't need the money, um, so to speak from it. And he is help, you know, fix, he, I don't put any money in, he fixes the property. He, he does everything like, Hey, dishwasher went out. I took care of it. Hey, you know, water heaters d- done this and we split it. You know, it's like, he's there to, to, to help take care of the property and I don't have any issues. And that to and, me is, and your mortgage is, awesome is going to keep dropping. So if you're making yeah. a little bit of money, mortgage, and you're helping out, all that stuff is working out great. But one thing I really want to make sure we all, um, I guess, take note of is you saw an opportunity, and you obviously need to have a little bit of understanding, um, obviously experience with your dad and your whole family. That's great too. But taking advantage of the opportunity and getting like I love how you said. Like basically the, your tolerance for risk is maybe higher than most people. Um, and a lot of people don't have high risk tolerance. We're taught in school from elementary school to not take risks. You know, you want to, you take your test or you study, you take your test, you get an A and then you, you, you do the thing that's, that's you easy. You take the good, safe job. Safe job. Exactly. Yeah. You just one step at a time and you don't take risks. Now, with us as investors, or if you're a business owner, if you're basically on your own, you're taking risk, you have to be able to tolerate that. Now, my skin has gotten thicker and thicker when it comes to risk, because I've had so many successful wins, you know, property after property, business after business. And so I didn't start, but you, it sounds like you started there. That, that was awesome. So it's, it's just when you grow up with it, I mean, there's an inherent, yes, I had an advantage. I grew up with a family of entrepreneurs. Like I was the first one to graduate college on both sides. My mom went to college for a little bit, but then joined the family business. So I grew up with that mentality of just earn your own way, do, make your own thing, do what you want to do. Um, and, and they all chose real estate, uh, which is fascinating. Um, and I obviously I didn't, I loved, I was the nerd that, <laughs> that at 13, I do my legal summer chores and jobs and things. And then I begged my mom to open up a, an account at TD Ameritrade so I could trade stocks. <laughs> oh, nice. Like, that, that was me, the nerdy kid. Um, so, but I've just, I've grown up with it. So I had that advantage. I didn't have that giant learning curve. Well, let me, but now there's so many good core, like your course is out. There's so many good books. There's uh, like your podcast. There's lots of good things out there that. Ryan, you are absolutely right. Now, um, people might say, well, yeah, Ryan, he had this advantage because of, you know, born into this and he was at, in 2012, like, or he was able to buy, you know, he was able, he was able, like looking at other person, like that's how they did it. Instead of, just focusing how somebody else did it. Look at all the um, all the information and free stuff. Like uh, my podcast is absolutely free. You can listen to it. I didn't have this when I got started. So I literally had to make my way as I went. I had to figure everything out on my own. I literally made it myself. I wasn't born into it. And so everybody, if anybody here listening to it is actually starting to think to themselves, well, it was their case was specific. I grew up this way. Well, you have different options and different things that you grew up with that I didn't grow up with, especially all the free stuff that's online now. There's so many great things, so many great tools you can use that we never had. So everybody has opportunity. We just need to take advantage of it. And that's the thing I want to point out is that you took advantage of it. You saw 
that, hey, this could happen. Let me move on. And that's something we need to do is stop looking, like try to put ourselves as either a victim or, you know, somebody else did it. I can't. No, we need to tell ourselves, like, get rid of those limiting beliefs that stop us from investing or from doing the thing we want to do. Get rid of those limiting beliefs so that we can push forward because we have such a great opportunity now with everything that's out there to actually start building and building a business, buying rental properties just like you did. So let's not look at, hey, hey this was a unique circumstance. No, many people, like even where you're at now, you can find great opportunities. It's just when you're looking for them. Well, at the time, like, and, and I maybe make it sound a little easier because one, uh, time does that to us, right? We remember the better details than the not so fun details of it. But my wife was in training. Collectively, we were making about $100,000 as a household. Um, we had $175,000 of student debt or 170 roughly um, at 6.75% uh, that we couldn't refinance in the federal program because you can consolidate, but that doesn't allow you to lower your interest rate. Um, and we were at the time in the public service loan forgiveness program, which we ended up getting out, but that was the track we were going. So, um, you know, if, if you're thinking now we didn't have consumer debt or anything like that, and we didn't have expensive cars and like, I, I wouldn't let us make those decisions and mistakes in my opinion. Um, so part of that was good financial planning. The other part was I was very aggressive and I studied that market a ton and I looked at and analyzed hundreds and hundreds of homes and what happened during different time periods and when they were trading and what they were trading at, what kind of conditions they were in price per square foot, you know, where were they at in relation to the schools? And I mean, I looked at everything, everything. And that's what caused me to go, holy crap, that's a good deal. Right. It wasn't like I just was like, and that's the winner. Right. I actually researched like, I mean, way more than my, I would care to probably admit on air, like hundreds of hours of, of, because that was a ton of money. Still is a ton of money. Oh, absolutely. At the and, time, but the that was is, a ton of money to us. Well, still, we were very aggressive. It is absolutely still a ton of money. I mean, for me, even $5,000 is a ton of money and everybody yeah. listen. Yeah. And so you're absolutely right. Um, and the, the key is you were ready for it because you, you number one, studied, you did your research and you knew what a good deal looks like. And I try to explain it like this. If you're going to go out and buy a car, like it's a smaller package, smaller purchase, but let's say you're going to go buy a car. You're going to research what a car should cost. You're going to research what, research what a good car should be. You're going to research everything about that rather than just going a lot. I'm just going to pick that one. At least if you're wise, you're going to research it. Same thing with buying properties. And so when I tell people or teach people how to invest out of state, like in uh, you know thousands of miles away, I show them to build the business first before you even look at any properties, we want to make sure we have a business running before we, build, we buy a property because it's pointless to have a property that nobody wants to rent or no property manager wants to, to, to manage it because you know this crime is bad or whatever it might be. So you need to build the business first. And that's by educating yourself and doing the research just like you did. So you were able to jump on that opportunity when it came. Yeah. I literally went neighborhood by neighborhood and was like, how are prices in this neighborhood versus that? Because I had no comps, right? This was dirt a year ago. I had no comps uh, in, in that neighborhood. So I had to go and piecemeal together where it was. And I figured out that like three miles within the ocean, like values actually were pretty stable. And, and in that, there were certain homes that did better than others. And we could have chose the smaller house that was three bed, two bath. Um, then there was a four bed, two bath, and then a four bed, three bath. And I looked at all the comps and it was like a no brainer. That third bathroom with that fourth bedroom is what, is what basically held the most value. And while it was a little more money, I didn't really care 
because I was only putting 5% down and I didn't over improve. What people typically do with builders is they think this is one, their forever home. Please don't ever think a home oh, yeah. is forever. We've bought and sold dozens of houses now at this point. Um, that is not, not, a, not existing uh, forever home. And we didn't over improve you know, putting in the fancy floors and the, you know, the chandeliers and the, the, all the upgrade electronics and all that other stuff that most people do. We literally look, I looked at it as if I had to rent this, what do I really need in it? Right now, my wife was like, Hey, let's do this. And we kind of came to a nice compromise. Otherwise I probably wouldn't have gotten married uh, at it. But um, you know, we still, there was a couple things that were very important to her. She really wanted a backsplash in the kitchen. That was like her thing. I'm like, I could care less about that. But for $1,500 and it gets lumped in and I'm barely putting any money down, fine. But I'm not going to do the really crazy nice flooring that's going to cost me 20 grand. I'll put in the flooring that comes with it and like upgrade just slightly. Um, you know, so it's more durable. Cause I was thinking three and a half percent, 30 year fixed, I'm going to keep this house forever. Why would I, why would I get rid of it? It wouldn't make any sense. And then when that kind of big pop happens, I did not envision that pop happening that quickly in price. It was one of those like, hmm, this popped, that hasn't, I have all the connections there. Let's sell this. Let's move closer to our works. And then I can buy three homes for the price of one. And you have more doors, which bring in more income. And basically you have so many options. Now we talked a lot about this, how, I mean, hugely, hugely successful, which is fantastic. Tell us about any failures that you've had that we can learn from your mistakes. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the hard part was when you're managing people who don't understand real estate in your family. <laughs> so like my wife did not understand why we were doing this or what we were doing. And even the people who did understand real estate, um, you know, were telling me, Hey, this is, this is really risky. You know, you could get her. What if we double dip down? It's like, well, I'll hold it long term. Well, are you sure you want to be in the area? I'm like, I, I, I mean, unless the rents cratered 25%, I'm probably pretty good. And the, the rents just actually had some issues, like obviously the whole market did. So I think one of the failures that I would look at in this scenario is I didn't effectively communicate with who, I, who, who was around me. My parents, like my brother, my wife. This was a very tough thing for them to understand, for me to want to do. And I am the numbers guy. They're very smart. They've done lots in real estate. I am a numbers guy. I'm spreadsheet. I'm a nerd. I did a lot of research and I probably didn't communicate that effectively. So I fought it uphill from every direction to get it done. And I wish I was a more effective communicator at that because that would have made it a whole lot easier. And I wouldn't have had as much self-doubt when I was doing it. Because if everyone's telling you you can't do it, part of me is like, hold my beer, watch this. <laughs> the other part of me is like, oh crap, what if they're right? You know, and, and you don't know. And, yeah. and, and so part of it is you just have to get it in action. You just have to go do it. And if it's something you're passionate about and you've done the research and you truly understand what you're getting into, you got to just take the first step and go. You can't, yeah. like if you've listened to all of Dustin's shows and you've yet to take action, like, I don't know what else is going to get you to take action. Like at some point you have to take action. Otherwise you're just wasting your time. Like you're learning something. It sounds fascinating. Maybe chalk it up as entertainment. Like this is cooler than Netflix and you're learning something. But like, if you're not taking action with it, this is just education and you're not going to do anything with it. It's kind of a bummer. 
Yeah. You got you to gotta take action. And that was kind of my moment of like, I'm either doing this or I'm not. And I just wasn't a great communicator and I wish I was better at it. So, and yeah, and going along with that point with um, taking action, I literally have students right now buying properties in other states. Like I'm literally walking through the deals with them. Which is probably smarter because California is not a great place for rentals. It's, oh no, it's Vegas really tough. is tough now too. Like there's a lot of things in the Midwest that are, you know, they don't see as much appreciation, but you know, cash flow is usually uh, pretty well there. Um, whereas California, they're, they're praying for appreciation and things don't cash flow. And Vegas is kind of like the hybrid. You, you know, you buy too much house, you're, you're basically like California praying. If you go into a decent area of town, they still cash flow. It's harder to find now, but. So, um, Tell us a little bit about your wife, because a lot of my students have a spouse. Oh, you're going to get me in trouble now, huh? <laughs> Just no. what should you have done better to help bring her on board? Like, I had, I literally had to sit down and run all the numbers like over and over again with that first property because we're spending all of the, literally all the money we had. I was, That's what we did. Yeah. So how did you get, how did you help her to get, or did you just push through it? Like, tell us how we should have done it. Or if somebody's going to listen to it, I, I want to get my wife or I want to get my husband on board. What should we do? Yeah. So one, make sure you know all your numbers, like inside and out, backwards and forwards, sideways, whatever you want to call it. Make sure you know it. Don't do what I did and just show her a giant spreadsheet. <laughs> like it made sense to me. And I'm pretty sure if I asked her to this day, she'll she'll stick with it and be like, Yeah, yeah, it made sense. But in reality, like, no, I should have had a Cliff Notes version of like this is what we're doing and why. Now keep in mind, my wife is a physician. She is significantly smarter than I am. I'm totally cool saying it. I say it all the time <laughs> on the show, even way smarter than I am. But I did not effectively communicate. And I think when we were looking at this and saying, hey, look, now part of it is, hey, we're going to buy a house we're going to live in. It's nice and brand new. She's like, sweet, sign me up. Was she probably carrying as much of like, well, what's the financial implication? No. She was probably like, well, Ryan does this for a living. Like he's a financial planner. Like I'll trust that he knows it. But I still didn't. If I asked her why, what we were doing, I don't know if she could have said it. So if I was doing this over again, I would one, make sure I know all the numbers. Two, I would show very a summarized version of what I've been working on. Hey, I looked at you know market research and this is what I mean by market research. And this is, I spent 44 hours doing this. You know, give a ballpark, 40 hours, right? And then I went through and I was comparing this. And then I went through and just logically break out what you did. You don't have to go you know, a mile long, uh, a mile deep and be like, and I looked at this property and it was like, no, you'll lose them. Right. But give a good high level, like synopsis. this, I did this, 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 and eventually you'll come down to it and go, what do you think? And now they're way more informed because you just saved them a hundred hours of looking at all this stuff. And now they can make an educated decision without feeling like they're making it in a really quick rushed way and hoping that, you know, your crap. That's a great point. I know in my marriage, and it, if you well, basically, if you watch any movie, any movie is going to have bad communication, which makes the plot better because they, nobody knows what's going on. But I know in my marriage, the more I share about everything and more she knows about everything going on, the easier it is to make decisions and bring her on board. So you're absolutely right. Just basically know your stuff and then be able to explain it. So from that, let's look at if you were to go back and say, Hey, little Ryan, you know, what 10 years ago, like, or before you even started everything, like when you were younger and you knew you wanted to get in this, 
what advice would you give yourself to get started and to watch out for? Not, not obviously specifically buy in this area, not that, but like, what are some principles we can take away that you would teach yourself or even your kids as they're growing up about real estate investing? Yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd drive home the point. You make money when you buy real estate. You don't make it when you sell. That's just when you get the, the money for the hard work you've done. But I, in the beginning, even with all the background and help and guidance and everything, I thought you make money when you sell property. It's totally not true. You make money when you buy the right deals. So if you buy the right deals, you're going to make money in the long term. And in order to buy the right deal, you have to put in the time and effort and research to know what it is. And if you're still at the point where you're working through terminology, totally cool. Don't rush to buy the first deal. Understand what you're doing. Understand what things mean and how things relate and why you're doing the things you're doing and how to actually underwrite a deal. Do that. And then once you finally get comfortable and you can explain it to someone who doesn't understand real estate, truly explain it to someone, then you're ready. I think that's a great point. I love that idea that if you're able to teach it yourself, then you have the knowledge, you have the understanding because you know, you're taking a big risk. And if you don't know what you're doing and you're taking that big risk, well, you're, you're more chances than not to, to do something wrong. So definitely know what you're doing. So that and is- Especially in this market. So like, it's a very different thing. Put, put in perspective, like you can still buy deals and, and buy property. There's still deals out there. They're just harder to find. Right. And I feel like the coasts, it's hard to find and you get towards the middle of the country. It's a lot easier to find. And I, I, we didn't even talk about, but I was a long-term or a long distance landlord through this. Now I had boots on the ground, right? I had family and, and we, you know, have, you know, handymen and, and everything else kind of set up because they knew the town, the lay of the land, whatever. But like the third house we bought, I didn't even see it. I did all the analysis. I knew everything. I had my mom, my stepmom walk in there with her phone and look at everything. Now she's bought hundreds and sold hundreds of probably thousands of point houses. So she knew what to also look for. And we didn't just buy the first one we walked into. Like we went through a lot of houses um, in there. And it, you know, the first two, it was like, Hey, let's go look at a bunch of these. I came back and was like, yeah, that was a bust. Didn't find anything. Go back, do it again. Like it wasn't like, Oh, found a house. We're done. Like it's hard to, quantify or to tell a story of how long it actually takes to do the due diligence and, and to find one. But just know that it's, it's, it's the more due diligence and more time and effort that you put into the initial analysis upfront that you are, know you're getting a good deal. That's when you make the money. I and agree. Forces yourself, the market corrects. Like you're not forced to sell. If you did your job right and you did the analysis right, you know, the rents are going to be paid hold the house the long term, ride it through the storm, pay down, have the you know renters pay down your mortgage as you're going through and you'll end up okay. But if you bought something like the crazy people in 2005 were buying houses and just trying to flip them fast and thinking the market can't ever fall, like you're going to get in a lot of trouble. I agree. Now, are you currently investing now or do you see yourself investing sometime in the future, like when the market corrects or what are your thoughts about currently investing? Yeah. So uh, again, I know very subset of areas. Like I live in San Diego, so I understand that market. And I know that I will never buy a rental here in this market. Um, it could happen, but very, very unlikely. Um, because my entire family is in Vegas, um, I know that market very, very well. 
like currently, you know, middle of 2019 as we're recording, there's 12 billion in development happening on the strip. They're adding, you know, tens of thousands of jobs. And the town has already grown to the to the outer rim of basically all the mountains. So that everyone's gonna be having to go vertical or just all the infill spots are getting grabbed up. And I understand the market. So I like investing there. Um, my mom, my brother, and I have collectively kind of formed a partnership. Um, I run the rentals. I put in some money. My mom puts in money. My brother puts in money. We're buying uh, rentals. We have not bought anything in 2019 because we can't find anything that fits all of our criteria. Um, so I'm hoping towards the end of this year, we can find something. Uh, but we own five together. And then I still own individually the house that I rent to my cousin uh, for it. So we are looking um, honestly, I'm not looking as hard right now because I know that there's really not much out there that's going to pencil and actually well, work. Well, along with that, you already know the market. So, you know, when somebody say, you know, I'm just going to start looking in Vegas, if they start looking for, I don't know, a couple of weeks, they don't know the market. Like you can wait. And when something pops up, you already know what's a good deal. Yeah, it's years of experience now at this point. Right. And I can leverage the network that has way more experience than I do even. Right. And I don't want to date them, but they've been doing, my parents have been doing this for many decades and they know how the town grows. They know the patterns of where things are growing, being in commercial development. My dad has a very good sense of like, you know, where the trajectory and the growth paths are going. And those are the areas that we try to jump in front of now. Um, but even that, it's really tough. It's really tough right now. Yeah. Well, and that's the market right now. So I still buy deals when they come up. Um, and I, cause I, I know what a good deal looks like. I, in fact, I was just talking with a student um, today who he, she has a, a, a good property that could potentially be a very, very good property as long as we got it for a right price. So they're out there. They are definitely out there, but you just need to know what you're looking for. And so if you're just going to like, you know, like a crapshoot, I'm going to go to Vegas and start looking there. And then with the next week, I hope to find a property in the next week. You might, but it might not be a good deal. So you need to it's really- probably not a good deal. It's probably, yeah. It's probably not a good deal. If you can go anywhere, I don't care where it is, and find something in a week, you probably didn't find a good deal. I 100% agree. Like I said, you need to build the business first. The business needs to be built before you put the inventory in and your property is a piece of inventory. So completely wholeheartedly agree with that. Now, moving on to one of the last things I always like to ask is if you were had to start over, like we, we talked about the principles just a minute ago, but if you had to literally start over, what would you do? Would you start, would you continue to look in Vegas? Would you maybe branch out a little further away from that? Like if you had to start over with, I don't know, $5,000 in your pocket and um, just, or even a thousand dollars, what would be your process to get your first property? Yeah, I'd, I'd, if I had to start over, at least knowing what I know now, but, but wiping the slate clean, um, I would honestly, I would pick a city and I would go anywhere in the US, but I would pick a city that has jobs that are growing, right? Is a Toyota plant going to go in uh, in the near future? Is, you know, what, what is the, the, is it, is the, the city aging? Is it, is it younger? Is there a college town? Like whatever it is. And I would just take a, a map of the U.S. and I'd go and try to understand every city of, of, uh, in the U.S. Uh, that could potentially be a target. And then I would spend the next three months, literally three months, understanding everything I can about that city. And some, you might get a little further in and go, oops, that's a bad one. And, you know, keep going and eventually you'll narrow it down. Now, granted, I know Vegas really well and this is years of experience in it, but if let's say I got on Vegas and I'm like, look, the demographics great. There's billions going on in development. They just got a hockey team. They're about to get a baseball team. They're about to get a basketball team. They just got the Raiders. Like, holy God, this is going to be amazing. 
then I'd start looking at the real estate piece and going like, can I find rentals? What are the rentals? What are the good areas of town? The bad areas of town? You don't have to fly there. You don't have to, I mean, everyone can pick Vegas and go fly and have fun, but um, you know, I, I wouldn't fly there. I'd be doing all of this analysis behind the scenes for three, four, five, six months even. I'd want to know everything there is to know about that city that I could physically find online. And then at that point, that'll probably give me more cushion to actually save up more money to go buy a house. Because with a thousand bucks, if you don't know where to, to look for, what to do, or the terminology or whatever, probably invest that in yourself, in your own education. If you have 5,000, maybe use some of that and then some of it is a down payment. At some point, you're going to need to build up that down payment. There's low money down and no money down strategies and wholesaling and all this other stuff you could do. But if you truly want to own rentals, understand the city, everything there is to know about it, and then jump in and then start doing your analysis. And it might be the wrong time to buy. I don't think there's a right, right time to buy in Vegas right now. That's okay. Like if I find a deal, great, but I'm going to have my same criteria, my same strict criteria that I do. And I want to make at least 250 bucks a door. And if I can't do that, it's not worth it to me. It's not worth it because I know that someone will be selling at some point during the winter and I'll probably pick it up then. And don't, and don't be buying. Like I'm not, uh, you know, super excited to buy during the summer. That's when everyone wants to buy and everyone wants to do deals. Like I want to go Christmas Eve and be like, yeah, let's do this. Right now my wife is going to go, he better not. But I would actually go look and, and, and we almost wrote an offer like a couple days before Christmas on a place uh, last year in Vegas, but ended up, I, I really, I ran through the numbers again. I was like, mm, this is really slim. Like, I don't think this is right. So I brought it and because it's my mom, my brother and I, we kind of have this committee and it's my job to find source and present. And she, my mom, she asked me straight up, she goes, what's your gut tell you on this? And I said, gut tells me it's a little thin. Could we get there? Yeah. And in, and if we wanted to be relaxed in our criteria, probably been fine. And then probably would have worked out well, but I don't need to rush it. We'll just keep saving and eventually we'll find something that works. And ex- especially you said by knowing the city, knowing everything about that city, when a deal comes up, you're like, that's a deal. Let me jump on it right away because you're ready for it. You have it, the whole business planned out. You already know what to look for. You're already going to be in that area. Teams in place, everything. And then on your first deal, you're not going to have the team in place. But guess what? Before you get a deal done, you could start calling around and trying to figure out who's good agents in town. What are the good property managers in town if you need one or if you're going to self-manage, it's different. Um, especially if you're buying in the town you live in, right? You live in, I don't know, um, let's call it... Uh, you know, say I lived in Vegas, like I'm back in Vegas. I live in Vegas. Like I can go around and meet people for coffee and ask them like, Hey, what do you think the town's been doing? How do you think this has been performing? Now, granted, keep in mind, like they're incentivized to uh, rent out properties. So they're going to be a little more uh, happy uh, and rosy about the situation, but it's good to get feedback and to, and to figure out like, how long have you been doing this? How many properties do you manage? Where do you see the rental trends going in the past two years? You know, how do you see the town growing? You can ask 20 people that question and 20 people are probably going to give you 20 different answers, right? But every answer is a good data point. Every answer is a good data point. And then you're going to take it and come back and go, hmm, I saw that this in this trend, you know, it looks like the town's growing in this path. You know, there's a bunch of jobs coming. And that's the area I want to go in. Okay, 
now go and look at the past five years of pricing data. You can do it through like Redfin or Truly or Zillow. I mean, you don't have to have access to the MLS to do all this stuff. Um, it'd be nice if you had an agent that could run comps and things, but you can brute force this yourself without even doing that. Um, and and I go through and then start pinpointing like, hey, these type of houses for this square footage, you know, this proximity to a good school versus a bad school, just to all the the, the numbers to it. It's, this is not passive. And I wish it was passive. The beginning part is not passive. Like you're going to learn, uh, you have to learn a lot of stuff. But once you learn it, it becomes easier and it does become more passive in nature. But the beginning, you got to put in the work. Well, if it was easy and it was no risk, everybody everyone would do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, great. Well, Ryan, I, I really thank you so much for your time. Some really great wisdom from your experience. And plus, I know you learned from your parents a ton from them. So um, is there anything else that uh, what we should know that you, maybe we missed on rental properties and how we can do it better? Um, I, I would just be uh, more conservative in your numbers when you're looking at how you're going to to put together a deal. You, you don't want to just skimp out on something like vacancy be like, oh, I can figure that out. We'll always have a renter or, uh, oh, my deferred maintenance. Well, if you looked at it and your roof is 10 years old, you know, don't pretend it's a brand new roof, right? Make sure that you're factoring that in, in your, your, your analysis in the beginning, not hoping and praying that it lasts 20 more years, right? Or, or whatever it may be. Like you got to look at those things. Oh man, I have a super outdated air conditioning unit. Eh, it'll be fine for five years. I won't pencil it in. No, like write that in, be conservative. Even And if you get five years out of it, sweet, more profit, right? But pretend like you're going to have to come up with a couple grand, five grand, whatever it is to fix that AC or to bring in a new unit or whatever it may be. Um, so don't skimp on those numbers and make sure that, that and, and even though I'm in a very aggressive risk tolerance, I'm actually a pretty conservative underwriter. And that's, I think, why I haven't gotten in trouble. Well, I think you're doing it right. I know when I first started my one of my very first businesses is a convenience store that I did. I over um, I uh, I was not conservative in my numbers. Like I thought my expenses would be lower than they were. I thought my income would be higher than it was. And so now I've learned to flip that. I need to make sure that on the higher end for expenses. Like if I think my expenses are going to be a thousand dollars a month, I should put it at fifteen hundred. Broadly speaking, put it like twelve hundred to thirteen, or maybe in fifteen hundred, just so I know. Even if I'm overly conservative on um, expenses and under over conservative on the income being lower, if I could still make money then, then hey, then it's, it, it could be a pretty good deal to move on. So I think that's a really great, great point. So, but Ryan, yeah, you're stress testing. Yes, absolutely. So Ryan, thank you very much. So I know we shared a little bit about where you're, what, what you're doing right now, but how can somebody find you? How can do you have anything else that you'd like to give to the people to, to make sure that they, they know who you are? No, it's cool. I, I appreciate being on. Uh, you can find me at financialresidency.com. The podcast is called Financial Residency. If you're interested in learning about general finance tips, I generally talk to physicians. So if you're not a physician, you might not get a ton uh, out of it. But if you are one, you should definitely be checking it out. Um, and then, you know, my family financial planning practice is physicianwealthservices.com. Awesome. Ryan, it's been great, great, really great wisdom, not to, not just in real estate, but just in general, you're bringing business wisdom as well, because you have a couple different other businesses on top of that. So thank you so much for your time. Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Nice. Now, wasn't that great to hear Ryan's story, how he got started and now how he owns rental properties because he flipped one property. 
Now, there will be times, and you need to be ready for these times, when good properties come on the market and you can buy them and you can do something just like Ryan did or like I did where I just kept buying one property after another. Now, remember, go out and join my free investor workshop where I will show you how you can invest in real estate rental properties just like I did. Go to freeinvestorworkshop.com. And the way to be ready for these investing deals that come your way is by getting your knowledge now, by starting to learn how to invest in real estate rental properties. If you wait to get your knowledge when the deal actually comes, it's already too late because that deal is going to pass you by because you're not going to know what to do. I want to show you right now how you can do that very same thing. Jump on it right now so that when those deals come, you already have the knowledge. Go to freeinvestorworkshop.com so you can get all that knowledge in your brain so you can get ready when those deals come so you can jump on them and change your life forever. Go to freeinvestorworkshop.com. All right, guys, you've been fantastic. Thank you so much. Remember and let me know what you'd like to see more in the podcast. I really want to help you guys out as best as I can. So go to the show notes page, masterpassiveincome.com 74. All right, guys, I'll see you soon. I'm going to be heading on up to Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Washington, DC, New York City, all that good stuff. And hopefully I'll be doing a podcast from each one of those states. And you guys take care of yourselves and I'll see you soon. Peace out.